we're going to talk about the pharmacology that would be relevant for psychosis. Some medications we've already talked about with other concepts and exemplars, one of them being lithium. Lithium is a mood stabilizer that could be used for psychosis. We've talked about it with bipolar, um, but we could also see it help with the symptoms in psychosis. And then anti-epileptics we've talked about with intracranial regulation, and those are going to help prevent seizures, but we could see them help with the symptoms of psychosis as well. The actual antipsychotics, um, there are three generations of them. The first, first, second, and third generation are all very good at helping the positive symptoms, the hallucinations, delusions. Um, and then the second and third generation, which are the more recently developed medications, are really good for negative symptoms, those things that the patient lacks that they should have. Um, and just like antidepressants, um, unfortunately, these antipsychotics do take quite a few weeks to set in and really take their full effect. So we would want to make sure that we educate our patients on that um, just so that they aren't trying to discontinue these drugs on their own, which wouldn't be safe either. So we want to make sure that they're aware of the, the kind of time lag for them to, to actually work. Um, something else to consider, um, there's a lot of side effects with antipsychotics. That's the unfortunate thing. Now the second and third generation don't have quite as many side effects um, as the first. Uh, but you still see the first generation antipsychotics used because they do work relatively well. The largest class, which is the first generation, is the phenothiazines. So an example of a phenothiazine is chlorpromazine, which um, the trade name for that is thorazine. So this is your um, one example of your first generation. And again, this is the largest class of first generation um, antipsychotics. So we could see a lot of side effects with those, and those really have a lot of those extra primidial symptoms or EPS symptoms we're going to see, especially in the first generation. So examples of EPS symptoms include um, tardive dyskinesia, um, which is the involuntary movement of the tongue, the lips, face, trunk, and extremities. That's where we could see like the lip smacking. Um, the, um, they could have like a chewing um, that they continuously do. We could also see um, neuroleptic malignant syndrome as an example of another EPS symptom. And actually my uncle had this and it's super rare, um, but with neuroleptic malignant syndrome, what happens is they develop hyperthermia and delirium. So my uncle, he went in for surgery because he actually had Crohn's disease and he went in for another like bowery section or something. And when he came out of surgery, he was getting um, restless and he was getting medications um, to help with that as well as pain medications and that combination of the opioids um, and some, some of the anxiolytics and he might have even gotten halidol I think or haloperidol um, that combination of drugs is, is what sent him into that state of neuroleptic malignant syndrome which is life-threatening um, it's a medical emergency so his temperature just went sky high he was acting like that delirium patient, very out of it and restless and agitated. He was getting super aggressive. They actually ended up having to put him, I think, in four-point restraints because they couldn't get him to calm down. But because of the medical emergency and having to bring down his temperature, they had to send him to the ICU and put him on a cooling blanket. And they had to try to get him off of these meds 
um, which is another reason why they ended up having to resort to four-point restraints because he was super aggressive. It was very scary um, for our family seeing that, and it was like he was not acting like he was just so crazy to see him acting like that. It's very normally like a quiet, um, you know, very shy person, and to see him act like that. So that can be scary for patients and their families. Um, another example of an extrapyramidal symptom is Parkinsonism. So they have a lot of those Parkinson-like symptoms um, with uh, the different like tremors um, in um, involuntary movements. So they have um, akin akinesia is another example, loss of voluntary movement, akathesia is a feeling of muscle quivering. So these are these tremors, they can't sit still. Um, and they could also have, which is also scary, is dystonias. So dystonia is invol involuntary muscle action that causes twisting or repetitive movements. Um, and it can actually cause that contraction of the muscle could affect the patient's ability to swallow. So if patients have dystonia or develop dystonia as a side effect, we are worried about aspiration and them choking. So we might have to adjust um, the you know, route of medication if needed, or even their diet have to be adjusted to help keep them safe. So you would want to watch out for that um, if they're on antipsychotic. So those are kind of more of the scarier, heavier symptoms with EPS symptoms um, and, and more severe symptoms. Once we get into more of the second and third generation, the symptoms start to lighten up a little bit. Um, and we are looking at things like weight gain. If they're gaining weight, they could develop hyperglycemia. Um, so watching out for, for that as well. And then just like with um, the antidepressants, we want to watch out for a suicide risk. Um, so we're gonna, they could have the potential for suicidal ideation when they're on antipsychotics. So making sure that you're assessing for that, um, assessing the neurostatus, and assessing for changes in blood pressure because they can also have postural hypotension, which we um, also saw in some of the antidepressants. So assessing for that and teaching them ways to help prevent postural hypertension. Uh, one other thing in, you know, even in pharmacology, hopefully, hopefully you picked up on this, that a lot of medications interact with grapefruit juice. Um, so some of the antipsychotics, <coughs> especially clozapine, um, you cannot mix with grapefruit juice because it will en enhance the effect of the drug. So if, if patients are on multiple medications, it's kind of a, just a good idea to tell them to avoid grapefruit juice. You know, maybe they should pick a different kind of juice um, just because of the high chance of it interacting um, with the medication. And then just like with antidepressants, St. John's wort, that's a supplement that a lot of people like to take. They like to take that for depression instead of a, a typical medication, but you can't take them together. So if they um, were taking St. John's wort, they're not going to be able to take that anymore with the antipsychotics, just like with antidepressants, they're contraindicated. Um, I think that's about it. So we really just want to watch out for these side effects, knowing especially with that first generation antipsychotics that they um, are at risk for those extrapyramidal symptoms, um, some of which can be life-threatening, like I mentioned with the neuroleptic malignant syndrome. And then with that dystonia, I'd be really concerned about the contraction of the muscles um, affecting their ability to swallow, and that could lead to aspiration.